Happy Easter. We are living in the point in the Easter season, the 50-day season, between our celebration of the Ascension of the Lord last Thursday and our celebration of Pentecost next Sunday. We follow during this season the chronology of Jesus' resurrection from the Acts of the Apostles. After, before Jesus, rather, ascends to heaven, he tells his disciples to remain in Jerusalem to wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit in whom they will be baptized. As you will recall from our celebration of Ascension Thursday, they actually do it. They do what Jesus tells him. The scripture tells us they remain together and they pray. Authentic disciples of Jesus in every subsequent generation, including hopefully us today, have the opportunity between Ascension and Pentecost to do what presumably those first disciples did, knowing that somehow the grace of the Holy Spirit will come newly into our lives next week, we are able to pray, to communicate with God about what it is we believe God might want for us to be his messengers in this world. Presumably that's what the first disciples did. They knew Jesus had risen from the dead. They also knew they were living in a very dangerous world with the people who had killed Jesus right around them. I encourage you, if you haven't already begun this week, to focus spiritually on the reality of this world in 2022, the Easter season in this real world with all of its issues in 2022, and to consider what it is for which you might pray to God the Father for us this Easter season. You hopefully recall that Jesus's Last Supper in the Gospel of John has a very extensive coverage. It's from the 13th to the 17th chapter of John, the Last Supper. That 17th chapter is all about Jesus's prayer immediately before he goes out and is arrested and enters into his passion and death, which begins in chapter 18, verse 1. Every seventh Sunday of Easter, we're invited to hear one or another passage from that 17th chapter and to see how it connects with us. The first 19 verses of the chapter are Jesus's prayer to God the Father for his first disciples. And all of that prayer is applicable to us as well today. Most interestingly to me, the final part of chapter 17, which is what we just heard read, verses 20 to 26, Jesus's final prayer at the Last Supper is for whom? Jesus says to God the Father, Holy Father, I pray not only for them, his first disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Jesus is praying here for people in the future who will actually believe in him through their initial encounter with the word of his disciples. I'm sure you get this. Jesus is praying for us. He's praying for you and me. If we are authentic Christians, it is because we have encountered his word through other disciples and we've come to believe in him. To me, this is very, very big news. Jesus Christ, immediately before he enters into his passion, is praying for us. If that's the case, which it is, I really want to know what is the content of that prayer? What is it that Jesus is asking God the Father for us in 2022? So I hope you're going to open up that passage this week, get directly into it, 
And I'll start you out by telling you two things I feel very confidently are the main parts of Jesus's prayer for us. What I invite you to do is try to connect this to how we're living and where we're living in 2022. So first, in that passage, Jesus prays for the unity of those who believe in him, the unity of us today. The source of this unity is the glory that God the Father gives Jesus. When a person believes in Jesus, remember believes in John means accepts Jesus as Lord, learns his teaching and puts it into practice. When we do that, that glory is shared with us. People who confess that Jesus is the Messiah and do his will receive this gift of unity, unity with God, the Father, Son, and Spirit, and unity with all other people who truly believe in Jesus in the past, in the present, and even in the eternal future. And, as it is the case for Jesus, this unity is explicitly an experience of challenging and provoking the world. Remember, in the Gospel of John, the world doesn't just mean planet Earth. The world means people and realities on this planet that are opposed to Jesus. Believers will be united with Jesus and one another in provoking people to make a choice, believe in Jesus or don't believe in Jesus. Focus on that this week in part of your reflection in light of Pentecost 2022. What you could ask yourself is, where do you already experience the answering of that prayer of Jesus in your life and in our world for unity with God and other believers? And where do you see, or maybe where does he show you, that we should seek more this unity through the grace of Pentecost? I'll give you an example that we all share, and I do encourage you to put this into the mix spiritually this week. This past week, we experienced a mass shooting of children in Texas, which follows a mass shooting of black people in Buffalo. And in the same month, same Easter season, which followed an attempted mass shooting of Asian people in California, also just in this month of May, just in this Easter season. I hope you didn't turn away from this. The mass shooting in Texas invited all of us into a horror of evil. I hope you tried to enter into the horror of the evil experienced by those children and those adults who were killed, their family members, their community, and this country. And I hope as you've reflected, or as we continue to reflect on this horror, that you recognize the fact that mass shootings account for a very small fraction of all the murders that occur in the United States each year by gun. The most recent statistics from the CDC, which I imagine are largely reliable, are for 2020. In 2020, 
there were 19,384 gun murders in the United States. That number does not include gun suicides or gun accidents, accidental deaths, or deaths connected with guns and law enforcement. In 2020, there were 19,384 gun murders in the United States. If you ever ask yourself, uh, it, is this an increasing number? That is 75% more gun murders than in 2010, in 10 years. 79% of murders in the United States in 2020, 79% involved a gun. That is real. That is another real example of how violent our society is. In the experience of this week, when I witnessed what took place in Texas, when my eyes were opened to those statistics that I just gave you, and when I wondered about where this country is headed, Jesus' prayer in that passage meant so much to me. I believe that you and I are united with God and one another as we face this very specific reality of gun murder in this country. By the way, I don't have any program about gun reform. I have no personal interest in guns one way or the other, but this is an issue in which we are all involved. There are people in this country who believe it's acceptable to shoot and kill innocent people because those people are children or because those people are black or because those people are Asian. Most often, I hope you get this, most, most, most often in this country, some people feel it's acceptable to kill people because they're in their households or because they live in the same neighborhoods. This is enormously familiar to too many of us in this community. At each Mass I've celebrated at St. Patrick's this weekend, there have been multiple people present whose family members I know have been killed through gun violence, multiple people present. About two weeks ago, I scratched my wheel, my hubcap, my wheel frame, whatever it's called, against a curb, and I've thought, I need to get that fixed, but I don't know in Lawrence where, who does this, buffing a, a hubcap. I know how to get an illegal gun before I go to bed tonight. I know whom to call, where to go, multiple sources to get an illegal gun before I go to bed tonight. I do not know how to get my hubcap buffed, but I know how to get a gun. If you do not personally know how to get a gun in Lawrence, an illegal gun, blessed are you, that's wonderful, but you are just one step away. All you need to do is ask me and I can connect you. This is the city in which we live. This is the country in which we live. This week, I felt so blessed because I disagree with the people in this country who believe it's acceptable to murder innocent people with guns. I believe Jesus Christ is the savior of the world. I believe his fundamental teaching that every human life has an infinite value 
and that I am responsible for protecting innocent human life from the first moment of conception till the last moment of natural death. I am happy to challenge the world with that belief. There are many people in this country who believe that their personal reading of the Second Amendment to the U.S. Constitution is so important, their personal reading, that it trumps even consideration of changes in laws to try to address gun violence. I disagree with that because I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, because I experience unity with him, his teaching, and other believers, I believe that the protection of innocent life grounds and guides the way we pursue and exercise all other human rights, including the right to bear arms. The protection of innocent life precedes how we bear arms. I read this past week that 155% more people are shot when assault weapons and high-capacity magazines are used in gun violence. That only makes sense. Some people in this country, including some people whom we elect to office, believe that there should be no additional legal restrictions on the use of these weapons or access to them, not even any discussion of it. I don't believe that. Because I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, when any weapon, whether it's a gun, automatic weapons, chemical weapons, nuclear weapons, when any weapon may kill a greater number of innocent people, we don't just have a right, we have a responsibility to one another to consider the existence and use of those weapons. I challenge the world with that belief. So just on this issue, I see ways that the unity for which Jesus prays with him, with his teaching, with others who believe in him, has unfolded in my life. And I very much pray for more of this in this country in 2022 through the power of the Holy Spirit. Back to John 17. The second part of Jesus' prayer, and I promise this will be more brief, for us in John 17 is that his believers be with him where he is, with the Father, to see his eternal glory. Jesus' prayer for us in this passage is that after our struggles in and with the world, we, his future disciples, who begin to experience this unity on this planet, will be led to eternal unity with God and everyone who is with God in heaven. I talked about this on Ascension Thursday. For the surviving loved ones of the children and adults in Texas, for the loved ones of the victims in Buffalo, and for the many, many more people who love people who have been killed through gun violence, including some of you, this is the only source of ultimate hope and new life. There's no human power or material resource that can save us from earthly death. People who are killed by guns are dead on this earth. Only Jesus Christ can save them from death. He has risen from the dead. He is the savior of the world. 
he does ultimately offer eternal life to anyone who actually believes in him, to anyone who actually lives his love, whether they've been killed by guns or whether they survive those who have been killed by guns. That's a possible point of reflection and prayer for the grace of Pentecost, that God strengthen us in living our faith in Christ in word and action, challenging and provoking the world in every way he wants us to, so that more people will believe in him and be united through him and build his kingdom anew in this country and know the truth of eternal life that he offers. That is Easter. Thank you for listening. To learn more and to get involved, go to stpatrickparish.com.